How's it going, everybody? My name is Chad. This is Eric. This is Dailies to Downloads. And this week, we thought we would uh, do a tribute of sorts to Richard Donner, the director who just recently passed away. And we thought we would talk a little bit about his career and his legacy and uh, basically just uh, shoot the shit as to what he gave everybody in his uh, many, many years behind the camera. So let's get right to it. He was born Richard Donald Schwartzberg in, on April 24th, 1930 in New York. And he died recently, July 5th, 2021. He was 91 years of age. And uh, so far, no cause of death has been given. But uh, 91 years of age is a, uh, a long <laughs> life to live. Definitely smells of malpractice or uh, <laughs> something. Yeah. You know, whenever anybody's in their 90s, you know, obviously uh, for loved ones and certainly fans, it's obviously sad to see those people go. But whenever somebody dies when they're in their 90s, me personally, I always, I always try to look at it in a positive way. Uh, look at the long life they lived. Look at uh, all the happy memories that they have. You know, what more could you really ask for? Um, but he was certainly a prolific filmmaker, and he did not get his start wanting to be a director, though. He actually wanted to start as an actor and uh, had a little bit part in a television series that was directed by Martin Ritt, who is a very underrated director, director uh, of HUD and Murphy's Romance and Norma Ray, among others, uh, but he encouraged Donner to be a director instead. So he would, Donner started as his assistant and later went on to direct commercials and then transitioned into television. And this was probably an era of his career that many people probably aren't as familiar with. He directed so many different episodes of various TV shows at the time. He directed Wanted, Dead or Alive, which was the Steve McQueen Western. He directed The Rifleman and Have Gun, Will Travel, The Fugitive, Combat, Get Smart, The Man from UNCLE, Wild Wild West, Gilligan's Island, Kojak, Tales from the Crypt, and most notably, The Twilight Zone, which I didn't know until Eric posted this on Instagram today, the iconic episode, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which uh, had William Shatner as the star was directed by Richard Donner. And I had no idea because I've seen that episode and I did not realize that Richard Donner was the person that directed that, which is an amazing little factoid that not enough people talk about. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where when I was thinking of what is he, what Richard Donner is most known for, it's funny because I think enough people know of this episode if they've seen it or if they've seen parodies of it throughout the years or- Oh yeah. Um, and yet, like we said, most people probably don't know that it was directed by Richard Donner. So it, it's a weird, like, I do think this might have been the most top three or four things that um, people have most seen of his work, but would never associate necessarily with Richard Donner. Um, and I believe he, he directed one other episode, but of course, Nightmare 20,000 20, Feet is by far the most popular. Um, yeah. And it's, it's ironic that when this story was remade for the Twilight Zone movie in 83, um that was a you know spielberg production amblin and which would hire him to do let's get to uh the goonies in 1985 right exactly and uh so after his stint on television uh, you know i forgot to mention he directed episodes for the banana splits children's program 
which uh, we can't forget that. So his first feature was in 1961 called X-15. It had David McLean, Charles Bronson, Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. He would go on to direct uh, Salt and Pepper with Sammy Davis Jr. and Peter Lawford. And then in 1976, his breakthrough film was The Omen, which was a horror film made, you know, kind of in the wake of the popularity of The Exorcist. It had Gregory Peck, David Warner, and Lee Remick, and was the fifth highest grossing movie of that year, 1976. So he made a mark for himself pretty early on. And then obviously he would go on to direct Superman in 1978, starring Christopher Reeve. And he directed part of number two, which we'll get to in a second. Obviously there was a lot of uh, controversy there, but uh, Eric, what was the first movie of his you saw? Uh, it would have to. It would have to have been Superman, just on the technicality of my age. Um, yeah. <laughs> like unless unless my parents are like, oh look at this sweet little boy named Damien. Eric, watch this. Uh, you know, like <laughs> I don't I don't think that happened. Uh, but it, it had to be Superman, or at least that's my earliest memory. Um, and to be honest, like I'm assuming it was the first Superman. I can't tell you for sure if it was the one he directed. Right. Uh, my age at the time, but it would have to have been Superman. Yeah. Right. And uh, so obviously, uh, you know, the principal photography of Superman, including included some filming of Superman 2. And he filmed a lot of Superman 2 with the expectation that he would complete it after Superman was released. And, you know, he would get into a argument uh, that wouldn't go away with the executive producers, uh, Alexander Salkind and Ilya Salkind, uh, not to mention producer Pierre Spangler. And so he wanted Spangler to be fired, that being Donner, and uh, the Salkins uh, did not do that. So they replaced him with Richard Lester. And that is basically what happened. He uh, wanted to have his name taken off of that. Uh, Martin Marlon Brando's scenes were removed from that cut and a lot of the film was reshot under Lester's direction, but uh, you know, Gene Hackman also refused to return for that sequel, those sequels reshoots. So that is kind of how that went down, despite the fact that Superman 2 got pretty good reviews. And it, it wasn't until 2006 that we would finally see Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, which was around the same time as Superman Returns. Uh, that movie was being released. And, you know, for Eric and I, we both wrote for 411 at that time and uh, it was a very big deal when the Richard Donner cut came out because there were a lot of writers there friends of ours that uh, were young when the first Superman and the second Superman came out that were really excited to see that cut and it got really good reviews so which means though that they're old now which means that they're in their 40s and they're old and they're ancient and no longer relevant that's how we exactly <laughs> and uh you know, but I will say that the, the first movie I saw of his was not Superman, although I liked the first and second Superman movies. Um, that was not the yeah. first movie I saw of his. Also, just looking back at that whole feud or controversy or whatever you want to call it, like how that almost preceded so much of what we see today with the Josh Tranks of the world and Lord and Miller getting taken off of the after shooting 80% of the Han Solo prequel movie a few years ago and you know 
directors being taken off projects that they've already started production on, et cetera. Right. Um, and it, for better or more for worse, as we know, the hashtag release the Snyder Cut, uh, like it is, oh, this also was one of the first of its kind to the Lester, uh, Lester the Richard Donner cut of, of Superman 2, which, which now I feel like we get that kind of thing all the time where a director gets replaced or you should release the version directed by this person. And we're so now inundated with that stuff. But at the time, it does, it does happen a lot. And at the time, pre-internet, these types of news stories were, you know, rumor and conjecture. We didn't know what was true, what wasn't. And you would have to read about it in certain publications. But the speed of information getting released as to what was happening was certainly not like that back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. So it was, it was just a much different time. And as you said, it happens a lot more now. And I think that one of the reasons why it's happening more now is because a lot of these movie franchises based on comic books or relating to superheroes have these overarching masters like Kevin Feige who will hire other directors, but he's the one calling the shots. Like the showrunner in a sense, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The franchise runner. That's not a real thing, but Hey, I can't think of anything better right now. Um, but yeah, so they want to hire these top name directors because they want their films to be good and to make a lot of money. But when you do that, you're going to have directors that want things their way. And I think now what you're seeing, and we've talked about this with um, Chloe, Chloe Zhao and Nomadland, you have them picking these directors that have had one or a couple really acclaimed films and kind of taking them into Hollywood and saying, here, let's do this. And those directors probably haven't been in the game long enough to put their foot down and say, I have to have it this way. You know, you never know. Different personalities are in different uh, productions, but that's basically what would happen there. And uh, Richard Donner wanted things his way. And yeah. And then Richard Lesler also directed Superman three. So apparently, you know, they, they that was their guy. And, and uh, not not Richard Lesler. He's still alive. He's eighty nine. Uh, but Man, he's, he probably listens to the show, Eric. So thanks. Yeah, you know, exactly. So uh, Richard, check out our Conjuring episode, and then then I'll talk to you about your career. <laughs> so yeah, my the first movie I saw of Richard Donner's was basically based on the free weekend uh, of the premium channels when I was little. You would get a free weekend for HBO or Cinemax or those uh, and Showtime or whatever. R, you're gonna say an R-rated movie, aren't you? Well, you would have, my family would record those as, not, as many movies as they could onto one VHS tape. So the VHS tape that we had was uh, included The Goonies. So that was the first movie I saw as a kid and that would be in 1985. And, you know, looking at the list of movies that Richard Donner directed there really are a few movies of his that I haven't seen, <laughs> which is interesting because he's the type of director, and we'll probably get more into this, but like he's not the type of director to really be flashy or really uh, make his approach known. He is somebody who can make a action blockbuster. Some He can make a movie that appeals to a lot of different audiences and he's really good at that and I don't want to say by the numbers director but that's really the, the way that's coming to mind because he he's not somebody who's known for his 
flourishes. He just is a very workmanlike filmmaker that is good at what he does. And you can see that when you glance at his resume from the Goonies. And then in 87, you would have the Lethal Weapon franchise starting. Um, in 88, you would have Scrooge, which is a movie that you know, gains more of a cult following as years go along, I feel like. Uh, Radio Flyer, which I actually did see when I was younger. And again, that was one that I didn't realize he directed. Uh, Maverick, which is a cool little flick as well. Uh, Assassins, which we'll get more into a little bit later. Um, uh, Conspiracy Theory, which was what it was. And his last movie he directed was 16 Blocks, which I think I did review for 411. And the movie was okay. Uh, but you and I, Eric, when we talked about, early, you know, before the show, we didn't realize that he was still alive, you know, because, and when you look at it, that's not really such an outlandish thing to say because the last movie he directed was in 2006. And the last movie that he and his company produced, his wife was a producer, um, was in 2009. So, and he, you know, he was a producer, his company was a producer on the X-Men franchise and uh, also the Free Willy movies which i know eric has a poster up you just can't see it no um, yeah no, the uh, free willy 2 the the long journey uh, yeah free willy 2 electric boogaloo no way home or whatever the hell they call it free willy 2 go this way uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i i do think that um i knew so i know someone who was an intern at, at the donner films production but it was just like you know reading scripts and, and things of that nature i don't i don't think he was too in Involved in the day-to-day Richard uh but yeah I had remembered in I just looked up the year because I was like how long ago was this in 2017 the the academy did like a tribute evening to him um which I remember seeing clips of but did not place when exactly that was so that would have been four years ago and that would have been the last public appearance that I guess I would have actually uh registered um him at and um right yeah and, you know, you look at um, his resume and, you know, you often these days would look at awards that people have won. And, you know, he's won a handful of awards, but like not really a lot of the big awards. And one of the things that I would say is, and I guess we're kind of jumping the gun when we talk about his legacy, is the fact that he's had so many watchable movies, movies that people repeat watching over and over again to me is almost just as good as being recognized for like an oscar um when you have a movie that ha will stand the test of time uh, to me that's to me that's one of the one of the ultimate goals as a filmmaker would be to make a movie that people never get tired of and when i think of a movie like that now you have comic book movies have come a long way and technology has come a long way and although the superman first movies one and two are, are good for what they are to me, one of the movies that he's made that will probably stand the test of time is The Goonies. Um, I would say, because that's the movie I've seen the most. And, you know, obviously it's very 80s in a lot of ways, but uh, it, it's a movie that people still talk about. And, you know, he has a lot of those. Yeah. And I think I also associate The Goonies, as I'm sure you probably would as well, or a lot of people will. Um, because this is also the era where I feel like Amblin Entertainment was becoming a really, uh, Spielberg's company was becoming a bigger thing. And I mean, The Goonies feels through and through like a Spielberg production, right? And, oh, yeah. You know, as does 
but like they all had very different uh, the gremlins does as well and that was joe dante joe dante's career went in a very different direction uh and spielberg's you know and i feel like richard donner was um as i share on instagram his experience on the movie was a little difficult at times but you know like i don't know if he fit into that sort of Spielberg-like mainstream. I mean, he was a very, you know, that as we use words like professionalism and, and you know, no, no real showmanship or different ways we just try to describe that we can't associate a specific, you know, like you said, directorial flourish with this filmmaker. Um, but he was, yeah, I, I think The Goonies, it's just like the Twilight Zone episode, stands the test of time, but I think most people would not know that Richard Donner directed it if they know who that is. Right. I'm assuming they're gonna think it's a Spielberg, because I think a Spielberg production is bigger than his director title, you know? Um, as I used to say. You know, you could argue that the Twilight Zone series was bigger than whoever was directing it, obviously. When you think about television, you don't really think about who's directing the episodes most of the time anyway. No, absolutely. And, and that was, I think that was also part of, um, but Richard Donner also kind of refused, I feel like, that um, that path, right? Like, he right. wasn't just a sequels guy, even though he did direct some very mainstream movies. Um, yeah, it, it's almost hard. I, I, don't, I don't hear anyone talking negatively about even those blockbuster, if you want to call them blockbuster movies that he did. Um, yeah, and you know, it's interesting because when you look at some of the trivia notes about him, like the movies that he turned down or was at least up for directing, like there's some really big movies. Like he was pursued to direct Jurassic Park. He was pursued to direct the 1989 Batman. And I guess at that point had Mel Gibson in mind for the role. Uh, how, how history would have been different there. He was uh, in line to direct, offered the job of directing Never Say Never Again in 1983 and uh, Alien 3 in 1992, Judge Dredd. Uh, they wanted him to come back to direct Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And uh, the list kind of goes on. Problem Child, <laughs> Thelma wow. Louise, all kinds but, of movies. Like, in a weird way, like, what is a comp like? Uh, someone who was also born like a month or two before him in the same, also in New York City, uh, like a John Frankenheimer. So like, there are these certain filmmakers, I'm trying to think like, who's a comp to Richard Donner? Like, right. sort of, maybe, uh, I think Richard Donner is better than Ron Howard, but I just mean like, the, the, you see like these sort of in and out of genres, but still mainstream enough, but a professionalism, right. but not necessarily... Uh, Chris Columbus, the, the filmmaker, not, not the other guy, <laughs> the, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I don't, yeah I, the, all the directors you mentioned like are i would say for the most part like directors who when you see their movies you don't walk out of it saying how about that direction like you're just yeah. kind of soaked into the atmosphere the entertainment value of what they bring to the table because they the way that they direct movies is pretty straightforward uh, they they know how to craft shots they know how to present action scenes they know how to work with actors and that's pretty much all there is to it. And, you know, that's what I like about Richard Donner as a director. Uh, I am glad he didn't direct Wild Wild West, although it would have been interesting since he directed episodes of the actual show. But, uh, oh. Oh. but, but yeah, so I'm going to, uh, I, I want to talk about Assassins. So that was 1995 movie and it had Sylvester Stallone, Antonio Banderas, and Julianne Moore. And it was not one of his more acclaimed 
movies. It uh, received mostly negative reviews. It was nominated for a Razzie and it didn't do very good at the box office. And point of fact, I don't know what he made on all of his movies, but in that movie, it was his salary was listed as 12 million. So the director made a pretty hefty sum. And that was a production uh, of Joel Silver, like the producer, because I know him and Joel Silver did a lot of things to get Tales from the Crypt, like we mentioned, like- Right, right. You really looked out for him with Warner Brothers. Right, and so I want to read a little bit of a quote here that he had in reaction to the reception Assassins got. And he said, I thought we did a good job and they thought we did a good job, but the audiences and the critics didn't like it. Did I feel bad? Sure. Did it get me down? Nope, nope, nope. Too lucky to be in this business to be down in the dumps. So that gives you an idea. I think it's a much longer quote than that, but it gives you an idea of what type of guy this was. And obviously he went in there and did his job every, every time, but you're not going to have a home run each time up to bat, so to speak. Uh, but it didn't really let get him down. He just kind of chugged ahead and kept his head up, which is a good attitude to have in life, really. Uh, but especially if you're a director trying to make your way through Hollywood. Yeah. And especially like that whole Assassins is not, you know, I, uh, I, I, I saw it, but only knowing a little bit more about the backstory that him, it, it, the screenplay with which Wachowski's originally, and that was a big disaster in terms of right. being written. Um, so Brian Helgeland, who was like a in-house guy who's had a good career, but you know, it was always kind of the right cap of his day. He, right. Now he didn't in the extended version of the quote that I just read, he didn't have anything to say about the screenplay, but he only had positive things to say about the actors. He, I, was, well, yeah, I was gonna say because then him and brian helgeland uh two years later did conspiracy theory together right and joel silver produced that one as well so so it almost feels like it was an in-house sort of thing even though yeah assassins uh funny enough it was the same year as judge dread so imagine if he would have said yes to judge Dredd. <laughs> not the best time in stallone's career but uh hey <laughs> it is what it is um, so yeah, what, so Eric, what do you think his legacy is? I already kind of gave my answer as far as the Goonies and the fact that he's made all these, you know, movies that are very rewatchable, but what do you think his, his legacy is going to be? Well, one, it, it, it deserves to say that, wow, that, that, you know, born Richard Schwartzberg to do five movies with Mel Gibson is uh and he only yeah. had glowing things to say i, I, I was actually mel, mel, mel gibson did uh did a funny bit with danny glover at the academy tribute like four years ago um but obviously mel gibson's a little out there to say the least uh but yeah but i, I think with him i hope that like he i don't it's tough like i, I don't think he's necessarily going to be quote-unquote taught in schools or has the same sort of he's not he's also the same era of like you know a little older than scorsese and, and de palma and guys like that but um he almost had like a different kind of integrity about him and i think if you look at something like lethal weapon if that was made today and i don't mean that tv series that's out there but like if it was made today for the first time they would hire first and foremost like a action movie director whereas right. i feel like richard donner you wouldn't necessarily put into a specific category as action right because lethal weapon yes it has action in it but that's the least i don't know least i remember from him those movies right um and so i think that was an important touch there's like a 
I don't know, more 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 mainstream Sydney Lumet, maybe? Or I don't I don't know why I'm trying so hard to like compare him to someone else. <laughs> uh, but um there's like a little William Friedkin in there at times, but then a, like a more blockbuster version. It's tough. Um and and I think unfortunately that's why a lot of people don't associate him as much with particular movies, maybe. Because he kind of fades into the background. Yeah, he had a very and George Miller had a very different kind of career too. I'm just thinking of guys of that era, right? Right. Um and he was just like a very, I don't know, old school kind and of even even as time goes by, you still when you think of movies that he did, you really still don't hear people a lot of times, at least prior to his death, mention him in relation to those movies. You know, you, you would hear people mention the Goonies and will the Goonies get a sequel? Or you know, nobody was like, Well, it's gotta be have Richard Donner directing it. You know, nobody, nobody really talks about it in that way, but certainly he was one of the people, not to mention Spielberg's production company, but he was one of the people that brought that movie, the energy and the entertainment that it had. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's something to be said for the fact that he worked for around 45 years, um, at least it just in films, longer than that, if you consider his television work. But, uh, you know, he, he had a long career and uh, it's obviously sad that he passed, but he certainly left his mark. He uh, gave us a lot of movies. What movies have you not seen, Eric? Because I have not seen The Toy with Richard Pryor. <laughs> uh, I have not seen that. I've seen that poster throughout my entire life. Everybody knows but, the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I have not seen The Toy. I have not seen Lola or Salt and Pepper or X-15. Um, but you have seen you have seen Salt and Pepper the band in concert. Oh right? yeah, a couple of times a month. Yeah, uh, I also seen, yeah. This is okay. This is another director that I kind of feel like. I'm sorry, I'll never get off this because uh, he co-wrote this movie, uh, Inside Moves. Barry Levinson, right? Also, the kind of director where it's like, did he direct that or who was it? You know that that kind of. Well, yeah, you ever have a weird. category called? Did he direct that? I would put <laughs> <Richard> <laughs> You know what? You just gave us a new idea for a recurring show. Um, <laughs> in Barry Levinson's case, he's different than Richard Donner in that he would try to go in different directions, in different genres. Sure. Um, but with Richard Donner, he pretty much stayed the course with the same sort of approach and genre that he always did, be it big budget, you know, action adventure type stuff. Uh, yeah, he definitely, and he was definitely a studio director kind of guy. If right. if he would have gone through with being an actor as well, maybe he would have an Eastwood like presence, you know, in terms of that Warner <laughs> Brothers affiliation. And I mean, he did have a lot of acting. He did have cameos in a lot of his movies, uh, from what I've read. But I mean, again, you know, you wouldn't remember a lot of those cameos. It's not, you know, Shyamalan cameos where <laughs> you're like, oh gosh, there he is, you know. <laughs> There's he Richard Donner again. He does not cast himself as the lethal weapon. <laughs> Very sad. He, did, he didn't cast himself as the police chief in those movies, which would have been Yeah, great. yeah it, uh, it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, Eric, if you don't have any final thoughts on Richard Donner, that will about wrap up our episode. I am going to go back and uh, check out some of his TV stuff, though, because uh, I didn't, there was a couple of those shows I wanted to check out anyway. Uh, like the Steve McQueen uh, Wanted Dead or Alive show, I was always curious about. But uh, I grew up watching a lot of those westerns, so I didn't realize that he was a part of some of those. It's funny how a lot of those directors got their start in Hollywood directing a lot of those serial type shows. But uh, and what was that? the Banana Split? 
Yeah, there's a horror. There's a horror movie about about that. I think as well. Oh, uh, the banana splits. But I think the program that he directed was just a children's program, from what I understand. <laughs> I watched the entire wrong thing. I'm like, whoa, this yeah. is crazy. <laughs> Prepare for this show. I watched the entire banana split series, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, he didn't direct that. He directed another type of. Oh, oh, my bad. I just spent thirty hours watching. This. <laughs> I had to uh, stream. I had to get subscriptions to five different uh, apps just to finish it all. The Donner completest. I, I think that it would be a really cool um, if they ever do like an in theater Richard Donner career retrospective. That'd be really cool because there are a lot of things you'd want to check out, right? And so maybe that is a legacy. Maybe that is the ultimate compliment. Like, right. Good- I am interested to check out his debut. I was always interested in debuts, and uh, you know, this would have been a cool director to do the column idea that I had before I left four one one four one one one. Yeah, uh, which was to make a column all about the television episodes that mainstream directors did in before or around or during their time as a mainstream filmmaker. I always thought that would have been an interesting thing to tackle. I mean, with him, it would have been really hard because he had so many. But uh, as we mentioned, the Twilight Zone episode was uh, is so iconic, which is just crazy, you know, to me to think when you have iconic movies and an iconic episode that you directed, which is a fun little career note. But uh, yeah, it makes me think about the classic episodes of television that I don't know who directed them. Right. Makes me think of that. But uh, so we will come back at you again with, did he direct that? Uh, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to use that idea. But uh, it's a great category. I, I have so many suggestions as I illustrated. <laughs> Shane Black. Uh, there's a number of people who could be our next, uh, our next picks for those. Shane Black, did he wrote Lethal Weapon. It's true. Yeah. Uh, there's our connection. Uh, seven Degrees of Richard Dunn. So... Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you'd rather listen to us. Give us a five-star review there. Please like this video. Subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram. Eric always has interesting stuff. I don't really post anything. But let us know what you think of Richard Donner and his legacy. And for Eric, my name is Chad, and we will see you next week.